Hello, my name is Noah, and I'm just starting this podcast. It is a podcast for my love of film. I do reviews and discussions on film, and it's very informal, and I don't give a shit if I mess up, because I don't want to do it again. And yes, yeah, so I'll be messing up a lot and stuttering the fuck time, but I just don't care. Uh, and also heavy spoilers for the movies that I talked about today. In today's episode, I will be going over my top 15 favorite films of all time. And I'm going to be starting at number 15, working my way down to 1. So at 15 is Dazed and Confused, directed by Richard Linklater. This movie is really good. It's very it's very short, very simple premise. It follows high schoolers that are just getting out of high school. And it shows the seniors as they start hazing freshmen going into the freshman class. And the freshmen getting hazed. And it follows them as they move to these parties throughout the night. Because they're finally graduating, not graduating, they're finally going into the senior year and enjoying themselves for the last year that they're having in high school. It's got a lot of high school shit that goes on, so drinking and smoking. It's very, very fun. It's a very fun coming-of-age movie. It's, in my opinion, the second-best coming-of-age movie of all time, and it is also a very good stoner movie. It's my favorite stoner movie of all time. It's got an amazing cast. It's loaded. Ben Affleck, Matt, not Matt Damon, sorry. Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of other people that are kind of lesser-known actors, but those are the two main actors that really popped off the rest of their career. So starting off with the review on the movie, I'm gonna kind of do a short review on it. I really wish that I lived in this time watching it. Like as soon as I turned it on the first time watching it, I was like, God damn, I wish I would have lived in this time. Because hazing freshmen would have been freaking awesome. And like all that shit they don't have to worry about. Like they don't have to worry about parents getting all pissed. Like they go and they do a bunch of shit to freshmen. They all paddle freshmen's asses throughout the entire movie. And the seniors are just going ham on these freshmen, girls and boys. I just wish we could do that in our time because freshman hazing would be freaking awesome and hilarious. And even as a freshman, like getting hazed, I know it would suck, but then you're looking forward to that senior year when you get to haze the freshmen that are coming up. The next thing is it's just such a chill movie. Like you can sit down, relax, and watch the movie just for it being a movie. You can have it on in the background and watch it sit in your phone and do whatever, or you can actually watch the movie and enjoy it because it's not very long. It's only like an hour and a half, hour 45. It moves by pretty fast, and it's just super chill. It's a very sim- simple premise to the movie, too, and it just shows the teenagers as they're leaving high school, as they're going through their last year of high school and going into that last year and showing what they need to, like, some of the struggles that they'll have. Like, for example, in the movie, they have all the football players have to sign this sheet that says that they will not smoke, they will not drink, and they will not get into any trouble. But one of the football players, the star quarterback, doesn't want to sign it because he doesn't want his coaches to live his life. He wants to live his own life. And so that's kind of his premise for the movie is that he doesn't want to sign it and he wants to just have fun. So at the end of the movie, he actually does confront his coach saying that he will not sign it, but he might play ball. So he will probably end up playing high school football again next year or sort of senior year, but he just won't sign the paper because he feels it's bullshit. And the final scene of this movie, or the climax scene, I guess, is freaking awesome. Matthew McConaughey gave one of the best lines ever in movie history. I quote it on the daily. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. I love that line. It's so good. It's like super simple. Yeah, it's like, it's just freaking amazing. So next movie kicking off number 14 is Spirited Away by, directed by Hayao. I that name up. But Hayao Miyazaki. He's a Japanese actor, I believe. Not actor, Japanese director responsible for Studio Ghibli films, which are freaking amazing. I highly recommend checking all of them out. 
most of them are dubbed and most of them are on Disney Plus, I believe. Either Disney Plus or HBO Max, one of those two. But they're just, they're all hand-drawn animation styles. And they're just absolutely beautiful. It's like anime, but a hell of a lot better than anime. Because it's like, the stories are all condensed. And it's just made into like, actual animation films. And they're amazing. There's so much to say about the actual movie. Like I just said, the artistic style of the hand-drawn animation is one of the, it's one of the last hand-drawn animation movies ever created. Now it's a lot of 3D animation. But... That was one of the last hand animation movies, and it's absolutely beautiful. The world, be- the world building in the movie is also out of this world. It's insane. It follows this little girl moving to a new city, and they get lost in the woods, ending up going into this old amusement park, which turns out to be this whole new world of different creatures and all this stuff. It's like, it's like spirits. They go into a world of spirits. So there's all different kinds of spirits. There's like a, a witch that runs the whole area there's like these dark spirits and these stink spirits river spirits it's amazing and the character design for every single character in the movie is outstanding it's absolutely incredible i don't know how miyazaki comes up with these character designs but they're just so stunning and it's amazing i cannot believe how good it is and the last thing i want to talk about with this movie is the train scene the train scene at the end of the movie was absolutely phenomenal it gives you a perfect look at what's going through the story right now it's at a slow pace it just stops and for two minutes it shows the little girl chihiro on the train with her friend with her little guinea pig a flea and the dark spirit and they just sit in a train and ride for two minutes and there's no dialogue said there's music playing over in the background and it just shows their journey it gives you time to breathe after the whole movie that just occurred, and right before that scene, there was this big scene that happened with the dark spirit going off on like this the whole like town, eating everything and like destroying everything. And Chihiro kind of saves the dark spirit by giving it this medicine that a river spirit gave her, and she takes the the dark spirit with her on the train, and they go to find the kind of the hero, I guess, of the story. Well, hero is kind of a hero, but they go and find the witch that runs the place, her twin sister, which ends up saving the love interest of Chihiro. It's very beautiful. It's very amazing. The train scene is absolutely stunning. I'm sure you can look up a video on YouTube of the train scene from Spirited Away, and there will be a 20-minute video on what makes it so freaking good. But that's just my little take on it. So the next movie on my list, number 13, is Inside, directed by, directed, acted, shot, written, edited, everything, by Bo Burnham. This is the single greatest comedy special of all time, if you even want to call it a comedy special, because it is a comedy special, it has the funny moments, and Bo Burnham's style is, he writes songs, funny songs, that kind of like make fun of everything. Like, some of the songs that were called, White Woman's Instagram, Sexteen, Turning 30, Welcome to the Internet. They were just, those are some of my favorites. But they are absolutely hilarious. They're so funny. And this, what makes this movie one of my favorites is the way it is created. It's just Bo Burnham by himself in his room filming a movie over the course of a year. And it sounds like it would never work. It sounds stupid. But it, it's perfect. It's the best cinematography of 2021 so far. And it's shot amazingly. The lighting is Oh, it's 
my whole thing. It's it's amazing. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the story, it kind of has its own little story to it. I don't know if it's kind of, it seems very, very realistic. And it doesn't feel like acting. But if it is acting, then Bo Burnham is the greatest actor to ever live. Because it kind of shows Bo Burnham go through the course of this year. And his mental health is just like deteriorating over time. And it's like the saddest thing that you can watch. It's terrifyingly sad. And it's, oh, it's just, it's really, really good though. It's so good because it's hilarious at some points, but then it takes a dark turn at other points and it really hits hard. And the ending of that movie is absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the best movie endings that I've ever seen because it's just, it's so simple, but it's like the last five minutes of the movie Bo is in his house, and he's finally he's finally going to leave. And he's sitting in his chair in a dark room with a light coming from the door by itself. No other lights in the room. And it's just Bo having to confront himself to finally let it go. To finally end the special. To get it out. And he needs to leave the room to get it out. And he's just sitting there by himself in the room, thinking about, Do I, should I really actually leave? Or should I not leave and just stay here and never put it out and keep working on it forever so he doesn't have to go back to normal so he doesn't have to go back to his real life after finally deciding that he has to get out and he has to get the film out he leaves and he sees instantly it's a an overtrack plays of people laughing like like a, like an audience laughing at him and it's just he instantly tries to turn around and go back in the door but he can't he already left symbolizing that he already put it out no matter what happens, the door's locked. He can't put it away. He can't un unput it out. He's got to live with his decision. He's got to live with the film being out and everyone's seeing his story now from this past year. And he has to live with the fact that he is done with the special. And finally, at the end, it shows him watching the movie on a projector in his room, showing that it's finally over and that he's done with it. Watching it just like everybody else is. It's super metaphorical, it's super, it's just good overall, and I loved the film so much. I could talk about that film for ages and ages and ages. I've, wrote, I've written two, like, extremely condensed reviews on it on Letterboxd, and it's just absolutely amazing. That's number 13. At number 12, we have Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan. I know a lot of people feel mixed on that movie, because they feel that it's confusing at times, and it's like, too much science and Christopher Nolan is like too much time is worked into it and it gets very very confusing but I still love the movie as itself even with those confusing elements I still felt that it was very very good very strong film it had very very good family connection in the film the first 45 minutes really hits hard in the family and their connection they have and then once Cooper goes to space then it shows their family disconnecting and how Cooper and Murph his daughter drift apart and it really hits hard and then finally and then not finally but a little bit later they go to this planet where 22 years passes and Murph is now an adult and he finally gets to talk to Murph not talk to her he gets to just see a message of Murph he has never he doesn't get to talk to her he can't respond back but he gets to see them he gets to see his children like slowly let him go over time because he was gone for 22 years and they just slowly let him go and Murph his daughter that he hasn't talked to it hasn't sent a single message for 22 years finally sends a message 
and it's just uh, it's so sad that the emotional beat hits so hard. I'm sure you can ask anybody that's watched that movie; they probably have cried while watching that scene where Matthew McConaughey is sitting in the spaceship just crying because he sees his daughter for the first time, and it, it's just it's so sad. It's incredible. Matthew McConaughey's acting in that film is so brilliant. It's amazing. Nothing short of perfection. I also love the fact that Nolan plays with time in movies. Now, some of them get a little confusing, like Tenet, but this one, it didn't get too confusing. The only time barriers it really had was when it jumped 22 years, when they were on the planet that moved whatever, like however, seven, one, one hour, seven years on Earth or something like that. Yeah, it's it didn't feel like it was too over-the-top playing with time. It felt pretty grounded for a science space movie. So yeah, and the fact that it was in space, I love space movies. He doesn't want a space odyssey, Interstellar, Ad Astra, all those kinds of space movies are freaking amazing. First Man is another one that I like a lot. Those movies are so good. I love the way that directors can create the world of space in film, and we can re- we can we can live the world of space without having to go to space through the big screen, and that's awesome to me. Matt Damon's surprise cameo in the film was also amazing that Matt Damon, I love Matt Damon so much. He's such an amazing actor. And I was happy and I got to see him come on the screen. And yeah, Matt Damon was amazing. Also, the last thing with that movie is Hans Zimmer's score. I love Hans Zimmer. He's my favorite composer of all time. And his scores are nothing short of perfect. All right, next up is number 11, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino. This is Tarantino's latest film, his ninth film out of the ten that he is going to be doing. And I've seen this film like eight times already. I've seen it so many. And I'm reading the book as well right now, which is so good as well. Just the way that Tarantino creates two characters, puts them in the real world, and he just creates so much stuff with these characters. It's so well thought out. It's just absolutely incredible how he does it. He just creates this entire world within reality. For these two characters creating movies creating tv shows all these things and it's so crazy how he does it <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious movie it's the funniest movie of tarantino's movies i think it's so funny when rick dalton is just on screen at any time when Leo DiCaprio is just the funniest character i've like ever seen because he's just hacking up he's either hacking up along through smoking or he's just making the stupidest freaking remarks ever and it's just so hilarious and the final scene is absolutely hilarious the funniest thing i've ever seen cliff booth is absolutely shitting on these hippies crushing their skulls into freaking the wall and just the dogs ripping them apart but it's just the funniest thing to go because cliff is high on acid and he's just tripping out and then rick dalton comes in the end with the freaking flamethrower and just tortures the bitch and it's incredibly hilarious and it's amazing it's so tarantino it's one of my favorites from tarantino it's my third favorite film from tarantino Next up at number 10 from the top 10 is Pan's Labyrinth, directed by Guillermo del Toro. This is the first foreign film that I've ever seen. It's a Spanish film. I highly recommend watching it for a first foreign film if you're going like, to try and get into foreign films because it's Spanish and it's just it's such a good time. It perfectly blends the world of fantasy and drama because it's set in a realistic setting with the Spanish Revolution and it follows... This, the main character, Ophelia, she's a girl, little girl, and she loves fairy tales. And she gets put into this fairy tale situation where she needs to, she's the daughter of the underworld 
king, and she needs to complete these three tasks to reunite with her father in the underworld. And it's just, it's so amazingly done. It's done beautifully. The story is absolutely amazing. The main villain, Capitan, I don't can't remember his name, I'm drawing a blank, but his acting performance is amazing. He's so intimidating, and it's just absolutely incredible. Wally is my next one at number nine. My favorite animated movie, animated movie of all time, is Wally. I I don't know where to start. I mean, it's it's just so it's an amazing blend of realism with Pixar's animation because it shows in these space scenes and when you're on Earth. It shows Earth as you would see it as me and you. It doesn't show it as an animated Earth. It shows it realistically how it would actually look with the dust and all of the debris and everything. And it's just incredible how they blend Wally's animation and Pixar's animation style with the realistic Earth setting. And it's the world building is incredible how in the first five minutes of the film with the song of playing over top of it, it just shows what the world has come to. How there's nobody left. It's just Wally. He's just doing his job he was created to do. It sets up so much exposition in such little time. And it's absolutely amazing. If you ever see me in real life, you would know I love Wally just because I have a Wally tattoo. The first tattoo I ever got was, was Wally. And it, it's it's pretty cool. It's yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But I have a Wally tattoo, so that's how you know I love Wally. It's a beautiful love story between two robots. And you'd think that sounds pretty stupid, but the way that Pixar does it, it's it's so good. It's amazing. And there's very little dialogue, but it's just, it's still an amazing story. And it's amazing how they put it together. And if you're going to watch this film on a rewatch, I would highly recommend putting on subtitles. Because you can see Wally and Eve kind of having these conversations. It's not really conversations. It's like the noises they make it gives a subtitle for what the noise is saying. So if Wally's like, oh, or like makes a noise or something, then it'll say like, it'll give you like a more English of what it, they're actually trying to say. It's not like sentences. It's more like word for word. So I like, whoa, or like makes a weird sound. Then it's, it'll say as like a subtitle, say, whoa. So I'm showing you what that means. Next at number eight comes True Romance. Directed by Tony Scott. I love this film. I consider it a Tarantino film because Tarantino wrote it. Every scene in this film is just so memorable. From the opening scene to throughout with him going to the big bad guy's lair. I can't think of the guy's name. That uh, Oh man, why can't I think of his name? Is this pissing me off? Gary Oldman plays him. Gary Oldman's character. He goes to see Gary Oldman's character. And it's this amazing shootout where, the guy just, where Clarence just kills everybody. And it's just freaking sick. It's so Tarantino, but Tony Scott pulls off Tarantino's style in his through Tarantino's writing and pulls the style off to make it that much better. And every scene throughout the entire movie. The, my favorite scene from the whole movie, though, has to 100% be the cantaloupe scene. I think everybody would agree with me there. Christopher Walken coming in and having this one scene, just like Pulp Fiction is one scene. There's one scene in this movie. And he comes in and he has this amazing scene with Clarence's dad, and it's the cantaloupe conversation, how it turns, you're a cantaloupe, is just the hilarious, it's so hilarious, it's so Tarantino, you can hear Tarantino's writing all over it, the Sicilian jeans with the, the black guy jeans, it's just, it's so good, I love the scene so much. True romance, and then the ending is 
also very, very good with Clarence being alive, thankfully, after the big shootout with the drug bust and him and Alabama going with their daughter, with their son, Elvis, to uh, wherever they went. I can't think of where they went. But yeah, and it's also got Hans Zimmer score, which is a plus. Next up on number seven, halfway through the list, is The Departed, directed by Martin Scorsese. This film stars two of my favorite actors, Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon, both giving the best performances they've ever given. Yeah, Matt Damon, but this is I think this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance he's ever given, along with Mark Wahlberg's amazing performance. Jack Nicholson had an amazing character. His comeback movie, not really a comeback, it's just one of the movies, one of the final movies Jack Nicholson did, was this, and his performance was also amazing. But Leonardo DiCaprio threw it out of the freaking ballpark. Oh my god. It's so his performance is so good. It's incredible how he pulls off all these emotions all at one time, being an undercover cop, being so terrified that he can be caught at any second by this mob. And he just pulls it off brilliantly. It's absolutely incredible. The soundtrack in the film is also so good. It's crazy good. I love I love Scorsese's soundtrack so much. All of them, they just the music is so good. It's so it brings you into the movie, and it just makes you jam out with them. It's a gangster film with a lot of double crossings and a lot of rat rat action going on. You know, a little bit of rat action. And uh, Scorsese is the best gangster film director of all time, obviously. And, yeah, he doesn't. He definitely doesn't fall short here. I think this is Scorsese's best film. And I probably know a couple people that would agree with me there. And, yeah. What else have I have written down here for that? And the ending, that's right, the ending scene is, oh, dude, it's incredible. How it just, it's such a realistic movie, it's set in ground, it's set in reality, and people, it's never gonna, something in the real world is never gonna happen with everybody comes out alive, everybody comes out perfect how they want it. And this film, that's why I love it so much, because everybody fucking dies. That's just awesome. Like, the cowboy gets shot in the fucking head, you would never expect it. It's like, the most... It's the craziest thing ever. You'd never expect him to open the elevator and just boom, his head's fucking blown off. And then Matt Damon grabs a gun, blows the other guy's head off. And in the end, Mark Wahlberg comes back, blows Matt Damon's head off. It's just like the most incredible shit ever. It's so good. Next up is my favorite foreign film of all time, Memories of Murder, directed by Bong Joon-ho. I think this is Bong Joon-ho's best movie. A lot of people would think Parasite is, but I think Memories of Murder is a lot better. And I also have the Criterion Collection for this movie, so that makes it that much better. Bong Joon-ho's storytelling is so incredible. The way he puts a story together and he brings you into the story is so incredible. The very first scene with the long takes and the opening, it was just, it's so easy to follow. It's hilarious. Bong Joon-ho is, he has this, he makes, he makes drama movies, but he his dialogue and the way the characters act are just the most childish thing in the world. And it's just so funny. Because they'll be falling over and they'll be, like, can, like, in the opening scene, the, I can't think of the the detective's name, but the main detective, he can't stop a tractor from running over his crime scene. He has a crime scene where someone was murdered and uh, there's a footprint on the ground and a tractor just mows over it and he can't stop the tractor. It's just the funniest thing in the world. It's so good. And Bong Joon-ho is turning into one of my favorite directors of all time. And he's got, I've seen every one of his films. They're all amazing. And this is his best. But every shot in Bong Joon-ho's movies are just so carefully crafted, especially this one. They're so carefully framed and crafted. Like, on the detective desk, during it's about the middle of the movie, 
when they're all sitting around the detective desk. It's just a wide shot plane of all of them in their room talking about what's going on with the, oh, I can't think of, in the story. It's But it's just like, like the framing is so carefully crafted and it's just so brilliant. Korean movies are the best foreign films ever made. There's so many great Korean movies, Memories of Murder, Parasite, Train to Busan. There's just, there's so many great ones. And I will continue to watch Korean movies until I die. And the final thing with Memories of Murder is the final shot. The final shot is so amazing because they hadn't caught the killer when the movie was made. So it's shown to have the main detective go back and he looks right into the screen because the little girl says it's somebody normal. It looks like somebody normal. So he's it's showing that the detective looks at the screen to see to show if the actual murderer is watching the movie and the detective is just staring at him then that would be the creepiest thing ever. And that's just I love Bong Joon Ho. All his movies are amazing. And I'm moving on now because I could talk about Bong Joon Ho forever. Next up is No Country for Old Men. We're in the top five. Number five, No Country for Old Men, directed by the Coen Brothers. First off, Roger Deakins, greatest cinematographer of all time. I love every single one of Deakins' movies, and I love every single one of the Coen Brothers' movies. First of all, Javier Bardem's performance in this movie was so incredible. It was Javier Bardem's greatest performance ever, next to Skyfall. And it's just so good. He pulls off an amazing villain psychopathic villain with no emotion nothing nothing just it's so good josh brolin also gives an amazing performance as man a man just running away i'm having a lot of voice guys now because i've been talking forever the realistic setting of this movie is so incredible because it shows real world coen brothers instead of a lot of their movies do have the real world effect but they have like the funny dialogue and all the buffoon characters but this one has more grounded. The main three characters are all super grounded and super realistic. It has those side characters that are just hilarious, like the the cop that always follows. Um, Tommy, uh, Tommy, uh, something Tommy Jones, I think maybe his name is. Oh, God, I can't think of his fucking name. It's gonna piss me off, but oh well. Yep, the main detective, his cop that follows him around, just has hilarious dialogue, and the dialogue in Coen Brothers films are so good. They're so funny, and it's so ironic, and it's just amazing. Coen Brothers, one of my favorite directors, some of my favorite directors of all time. The ending of this movie is also insane. When Javier Bardem is just, he's just driving down the street and you don't know what the hell's going to happen next because the movie's pretty much at a standstill, like nothing else is going to happen. And Javier Bardem was just, his character is just driving and he gets hit by a car and he just has a broken arm. He gets a kid's shirt and he just walks, like ties it up and just walks away. And that's like the end of what you see. And then it goes to the amazing monologue of Tommy Lee Jones. I think that's his name. I hope it is. Otherwise, I'm going to be so so pissed. Tommy Lee Jones, his amazing monologue at the end of the film is just a perfect way how they would, how the Coen brothers encapsulated the entire film of the movie. It's absolutely perfect. At number four, Tantino's greatest movie, Inglourious Bastards. A lot of people would think that Pulp Fiction is his greatest, but I don't think Pulp Fiction is his greatest. I think that it was his breakout movie, and it's an absolutely beautiful film. It's in my favorite list. It's in the top 25, I'm pretty sure, maybe top 50. But I love Pulp Fiction, but Inglourious Bastards is so much better. The acting in Inglourious Bastards from Christoph Waltz, from Brad Pitt, and every other supporting character in the entire movie is absolutely amazing, every single one. And Hans Landa 
is the greatest written character of all time. It's absolutely incredible how Tarantino wrote this character. I don't, I don't know how, and I don't even know how he found Christoph Waltz to play the part so perfectly. It's amazing. Hans Landa is so fear instructing, and he's, I hope that's the right word to use that, but he's just like, he brings fear in every scene he's in, and this intimidation factor, and everything about him is just absolutely insane. The opening scene is the greatest opening scene in movie history, in my opinion. I also know I've read a bunch of articles, and they all think the Inglorious Bastards has the best opening scene of all time because it is that good. So, yeah, the opening scene is absolutely amazing. The bar scene is absolutely amazing with uh, Magneto, whatever his name is. I can't think of his name. I'm really bad at actor's names. Um, he comes in, and he just, it's like a 45 minute scene that just, you can't look away from the screen the entire time. It's mainly dialogue, but then it ends in a huge like, bar fight, basically, with gunshots. And it's like everyone's shot and killed except for two people the female uh, actress and one of the Germans. And then the final Italian scene absolutely hilarious. So incredible. It's just Brad Pitt is like, Buongiorno, like the most bullshit Italian accent in the world. And then Hans Landa just speaks completely fluent Italian. And it's so good. It's so amazing. And then Hans Landa in the final, one of the final scenes, that's a bingo, is absolutely amazing. His performance is amazing. That is again, Tarantino's best film, Inglorious Bastards. And at the end of the film, Tarantino even says to himself, I think this just might be my masterpiece. Brad Pitt says it for him, but Tarantino wrote it, so I'm thinking that Tarantino thinks this is his best movie. Oh yeah, one more thing with Inglorious Bastards. Tarantino doesn't give a fuck. He came off his last movie being the worst movie of his career. Um, for most most people, think it's the worst movie of his career. It's not by far. It's not even a bad film, but it's just compared to all the rest of his movies, it's not very good. Death Proof, and he comes and he makes this absolutely magnum opus of a fucking film, where he switches with subtitles and seventy five percent of the movies in a different language, like in English, and he fucking kills Hitler. Who the, who would kill Hitler? He just changed his entire history by killing Hitler right there. And it's so good. It doesn't really change all of history. It's like, just like, maybe like a month or something before Hitler kills himself anyway. But like, the way he just, he just fucking shoots Hitler in the fucking face is awesome. Jim Thune was like, oh, fuck, and I love it. Alright, top three. Number three. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Directed by Steven Chibuski. Probably butchered that name. But I love this movie. I watched it for the first time this year, actually. And it instantly became a favorite. It's... Absolutely amazing, the greatest coming of age story movie of all time. The performance from Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, and Ezra Miller are all three absolutely phenomenal. And the mix of drama, comedy, and like a vibey kind of movie is just fits perfectly because it gives you scenes where it's funny scenes, it gives you dramatic scenes towards the end, especially when it's I'll get into that in a little bit. But the dramatic scenes hit perfectly, and the vibey scenes where they're driving, like at the very last scene where they're driving down the into the tunnel and out of the tunnel. It's just so vibey. Like, you can just feel it, and you feel that you would want to do that, and that's something that you could do, and you just feel free. But the last scene, holy sh... Not the last scene. The last big climax of the movie was just absolutely heartbreaking for me. Every time I rewatch the movie now, I rewatched it three times, I just... Oh, man. I, it hits me. I know it's going to be emotional. I know I'm going to fucking cry. I don't want to, but I will. And it's so sad, and it's just... Oh, it's so bad. 
I, I always I love to watch it. I love watching the movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Obviously, it's my number third, my number three. But I just uh, it makes me cry, and it's so sad. And just please watch the movie for yourself. Number two is Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson, a whodunit, current whodunit. He's got an all-star, all-star cast. Chris, I'm going to name off everybody here because I got them all written down. Chris Evans, Tony Collette, Daniel Craig, Anna De Arms, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Lakeith Stanfield, and Christopher Plummer. Every single one of them give such amazing performances. Daniel Radcliffe, not Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Craig, sorry, Daniel Craig. Chris Evans gives some of the best performances of their career, especially Chris Evans is just absolutely hilarious. I wish he was in it more, but I like the choice of them not bringing him into the movie at 40, until 45 minutes in, because he seems like a throwaway character then, and you won't expect the twist at the end, with Chris Evans being the actual murderer. Big spoiler. Hope you've seen that movie. As I said at the beginning, big spoilers. And Daniel Craig's fucking, his Kentucky Fried Chicken accent is just the most hilarious thing in the entire world. That's a bunch of hooey. That's just, it's just so funny. I love his performance in this movie. It's absolutely amazing. And Anna de Arms is one of my favorite female actresses as of right now and almost of all time. She's in a lot of my movies that I have my favorites, actually. She's in, I think, two two, I think two of my all the movies that I have on this list. So the, the top two, I guess. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. She's in a lot of movies in my like all-time favorites. But, yeah, she is in my top two movies. Which might give you a hint of what's number one, but she's an amazing actress. She's absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to see what she does with the rest of her career. And yeah, and so next thing with Knives Out, it's just so carefully crafted that on every you watch, you notice more and more details. The big twist at the end is how the detective Blanc knows that Anna's character is the murderer. Not the murder, but was present at the murder because of her shoe. Her shoe had a bloodstain on it. And in the very first encounter you see between Daniel Craig and Anna, is Daniel Craig looks straight at her shoe. You can just see it right in the movie. He looks straight down at her shoe and then looks up and continues to talk to her. And it's it's so brilliant. And then throughout the entire movie, there's more and more stuff that you can go through rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and realize that there's just so much more carefully, carefully, carefully put in this movie. With Chekhov's gun really shining throughout this entire movie. I love Chekhov's gun. It's a very, very amazing idea. If you don't know what that is, you probably should look it up. Just watch a YouTube video, like a five-minute YouTube video, and watch Chekhov's gun, and you can pretty much figure it out. And then you can love watching movies because you can see those things now come up. But it's an amazing movie. This information is also given from all the characters. Like, you see from the characters, they all have their perspectives when they're talking. They're all next to Christopher Plummer's character of the entire movie they're all right by his side and they're all telling it from their perspective seeing that they're the right hand man to christopher Plummer's character but in reality anna de arms's character is the right hand woman to christopher Plummer's character and it's all shown throughout the entire the dire movie too family members have no idea who anna de arms character is from they all give different places where she's from even i can't think of name which is gonna make me very mad well richard richard that character he says three different places where anna her character is from so he doesn't know shit and he just keeps saying the same shit over and over again like oh she's from paraguay or she's from ecuador oh she's from puerto rico like no you don't fucking know where she's from shut the fuck up so yeah the final scene is amazing with daniel craig giving his best performance i've ever seen on screen with his big reveal of 
is not I don't know how to exp I don't know how to put it in words, but he just gives his big reveal to what actually happened, and he puts Chris Evans in jail. That fucking prick. And the final shot is so good, where Anna de Armas' character is just standing above all of them, showing that she's higher than the the entire family now. Her status is higher, and that she's holding the coffee cup that says "My House." It's just so good. I love it. All right, I'll take a drink of water before I get to my number one movie. All right, number one, favorite movie of all time, Blade Runner 2049. This is the perfect sequel to any movie ever created, and it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. It's just so good. I don't know where to start. It's, it's got, first of all, I'll just start with Roger Deakins. It's got Roger Deakins again. He's my favorite cinematographer of all time, the best cinematographer of all time. It's the best shot, best production design of a movie ever. It's got an amazing story. It, the writing is absolutely amazing. It picks up not, it doesn't pick up right after the events of Blade Runner. It picks up 40 years later, in 2049. And it follows Ryan Gosling's character trying to figure out where this girl that was born from a Deckard, which is the which is the character the main character in played by Harrison Ford in the original Blade Runner and the um the replicant, they had a child. And the movie is trying to have Ryan Gosling find this child before the main villain finds it, played by Jared Little. It's so good. The movie also has Anna de Arms in it. She might be my celebrity crush. Who knows? But Acting performances all the way around are all amazing. Harrison Ford coming back and doing the movie and having a big, huge role, but at the same time having a small role. He doesn't. He's not in the movie for very long, but his role in the movie is super important, and it's just absolutely amazing. Ryan Gosling gives his best performance of his career in this movie, and it's nothing short of perfection. It's so good. His rage scenes and his it's just oh, his rage scenes and his emotional scenes they all hit perfectly. Denis Villeneuve is my probably my second or third favorite director of all time. He makes very, very realistic and very, very harsh kind of movies. They're very grounded. They're not very. They're not trying to give you funny. They're not trying to give you like I don't know, like the Marvel movies. The Marvel movies are all like serious kind of, but then they give you a bunch of jokes, and it's very different from what Denis Villeneuve is. Denis Villeneuve gives very strict and condensed like not strict and condensed i guess but he just gives very like straightforward movies there's not very much humor it's just but i still love it it's still amazing everything about play 2049 it makes it my favorite movie of all time it's so good the pacing and runtime it's a very long movie it's two hours and 30 minutes but the pacing does not make it feel like that the pacing is perfect and it just flows right through perfectly yeah. First time watching it, I couldn't look away from the screen the entire time. I fell in love with it instantly. I watched Blade Runner first, and then I watched Blade Runner 2049, and 2049 just shot it out of the park. Oh my god, it was so good. It was incredible. After watching Blade Runner, I didn't think I was going to be able to set through Blade Runner 2049. But after watching it, I couldn't look away, and it was just the greatest thing ever. Also, 2021 is the year Rachel dies in the movie. So... That's kind of cool. It's a cool thing that I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I was to say. Yeah, I pretty much did everything. So that is my top 15 favorite movies of all time. 
Days and Confused, The Spirited Away, Inside, Interstellar, Downtown Hollywood, Pan's Labyrinth, Wally, True Romance, The Departed, Memories of Murder, No Country for Old Men, Inglorious Bastards, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Knives Out, and Blade Runner 2049. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my boring and long-ass podcast of me talking about my favorite movies. And I don't know how to fucking end it, so yeah, go fuck yourself and goodbye.